Hey, strangers. Welcome back to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am once again joined by my beautiful and bewitching co-host, Krista. I feel like you used bewitching before, Kurt. I don't think we used bewitching before. Mm. Where's our intern? I gotta have Corey write down what I've called <laughs> well, you in all these you. episodes. and I'll take a compliment anywhere I can get it. <laughs> yeah, this is, our, this is our third attempt at a start to the episode because I screwed up the other It's like two. he's never done it before. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of loopy. Um, that rap from Subway? It was a Subway. It's probably something in there. Probably bad guacamole. It's a bad guac. Or you got roofied. I might have got roofied by the lady that put I'll let my, you know in about a half hour. Yeah, <laughs> if, I, if I pass out, just take the notes and just run with it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, what's new? Um, it's not snowing. <laughs> no, it is not snowing. It's actually... Well, it's just cloudy. Yeah, it's like 47 and yeah. cloudy here. So. It's just gloomy. I'll take it. Yep, I will too. It will be good atmosphere for tonight's topic, as Ooh, a matter of fact. I'm excited about tonight's topic. Uh, do we have any shout outs? Yeah, so we have a new stranger. I think it's our only new stranger. Our one new stranger. We need... I don't know what we need We're to do. We're going for quality, not quantity Exactly. Here. And our new stranger is Edith Phoebe. And I was excited to give her a shout out because she followed us on Instagram and I get I get people who follow me on Instagram. Oh, by the way, oh, you do yeah. really good on Instagram stuff. Do I really? Yeah, you really do. I, I oh. was going through it the other day, and I'm, I'm you're doing really good on I that. I feel like I need to post more, but no, I think I I'm impressed. Oh well, thank you. Well, I get people who follow me, my personal account on Instagram, and they're just doing it to get the follow because yeah. my total will go up by like two people, and then it'll go down by two people yeah. after someone follows me. But this person didn't unfollow me right away. Nice. Actually, I have like three new followers that haven't unfollowed me yet. One of them was Edith. So I went to her um, profile and I saw that her, you know, you can have like a little quote or something on your description for your profile. And hers was in Omnia's per in Omnia Paratus, which is from Gilmore Girls. See, I've never watched Gilmore Life Girls. and Death Brigade. So of course I gave her a special welcome on the strangers with a uh, just a, a poster kind of from the show. Oh, nice. That's and where that was from because I saw it and I yeah. didn't understand where yeah, it was yeah. from. It's a Gilmore Girl thing. Cool. Copper Thank boom. You. Copper Thank boom. You. Edith Copper Boom. Thank you for joining Edith. She lives in California. Oh, nice. Yep. So wave to Brit Bridget. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't. I know surprisingly little about where stuff is in California. Yeah, I'd have. To I know look at Los a map. Angeles is on the water. I think, and I know Santa Monica so? has a pier. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. like the, that's like what I know. The Santa Monica pier. Yeah, that's like that's my extent of California. Yeah, I don't know much. about I really it need to get out there. I really would, would love fun. to see California. Me too. Maybe when we take the strange sessions on the road. Yeah. I did hear a rumor that our last episode has now made more money than Avengers Endgame. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. I, I better double check with our accountant. So I can like <laughs> do a mic drop at work tomorrow yep, or yep, what? Yep. I'll check nice. with our accountant. I, I may have misheard what he said. but oh, we have an accountant? I don't know. Corey. Corey's slash our accountant. Intern, <laughs> slash intern. Intern accountant fact checker. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> They weren't around we for the more Murray all of episode. Them. <laughs> yes, exactly. God damn more um, Murray episode. I have, <laughs> I have two personal shout outs. Uh, the first one is to stranger and listener Kayla McDermott, who is awesome. She uh, sent me a message on Facebook that she got a job in Stoughton, Wisconsin. Exciting. Which is exciting because that is where Elsing Secondhand Store is that we talk about quite a bit. We played some EVPs we yep. got there. And her and her husband went there and visited Elsing Secondhand Shop, which was so cool. cool. I'm super jealous. Yeah. She said they got... Uh, Vicky wasn't there that day, I guess. She said they met Phil and the doggies. And she told Phil, you know, that 
she listens to our podcast. So then Phil told her the stories about the ghosts in the shop and stuff. And they bought a couple things. And she said that the only thing that happened was when she was in the basement area, she got a really strange yeah, headache. A headache. And I she said, especially that. back in the book room area. Oh, and I said, room. the book room is where we caught that EVP of the little girl. Yep. Where you and I were camped out in the dark in there. Very end of the hall. So it was just really cool that she let us know. So yeah. that's I'm so awesome, excited Kayla. That she Thank you so much. Out. Yeah, very we cool. gotta get we've gotta get there sometime. We do. We really do. With my new schedule, maybe we can do that. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Me either. Yeah, that's also well, that'll be going into housekeeping, but we are It won't change the release date. It won't though. change anything really. It's just that Chris and I are gonna be recording in the morning rather than at, in the evening, which is going to be good for both of us. Yeah. Because by this time, it's like, what, 4.30? I'm tired. I'm like half asleep. So, yeah, we're like half asleep. But we're morning. We're up at like 5 in the morning. You're going to get our A game now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, coffee will just be kicking in. You're getting our D game right yeah, now. Yeah, you're getting our D minus <laughs> game right now. So it's going to be awesome once we start recording because we're both like early birds yep. up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Totally. So that's going to be awesome. So thank you so much, Kayla, for letting us know that you guys got there. Uh, I, it'd be kind of nice to if we went to Stone, like to meet them for lunch. To record with Vicky, too. Yeah. Or, yeah, meet yeah. those guys. But we got to get there sometime and do an episode from there. It'd be so nice to talk to Vicky and Phil. It would be. And I also want to give a shout-out to Dash. Oh, Dash. The one and only Dash, who we absolutely love, and was our first stranger to leave us a voicemail message. So, without further ado, this is our first call to the Strange Sessions hotline from Dash. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Krista. It's Dash. I am up in Wisconsin right now, and I'm listening to the new episode. It's fantastic so far. And one of these times that I'm up here... I'm going to make it up while you're recording an episode, and I'll come down to the studio with you guys. That hot sauce is on its way soon, Kurt. As soon as I get back to my house, I'm shipping her out. I hope you guys have a great Easter. Bye. Thank you so much, Dash. It was awesome actually getting somebody to call to the Strange Sessions hotline. I love being able to hear listeners' voices. Yeah, it, it, like, it's when really I, cool. When I listen to it, it's like, wow, we're like legitimately a podcast. <laughs> I so, know. What? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> we have a like, kind of blew my mind. Yeah. So it was just really cool. So yeah. I thank you so much, Dash. I hope other people do that. Threatening. It sounded like a threat about sending the hot sauce. I know he is. <laughs> oh, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. So I'm. I'm. I don't like spicy, but if I know it's spicy and I'm prepared, I probably won't whine too much. But there will probably still be some whining. There'll be some whining. There'll be some whining. So For thank sure. you so much, Dash. Yes, thanks, uh, we'll Dash. give you guys the phone number at the end of the episode. So please call. If you want to hold off to call a little bit, this is our eighth episode this season. And our 13th episode will be our 50th overall episode. So we're going to do listener stories. You can call in with your stories. Or if you just want to call in and say congrats, guys, on 50 episodes. So it kind of blows my mind that we made it to 50 episodes. I'd love to get some um, suggestions for topics through the voicemail, too. Yes. Yeah. If you guys want something done, send it into the voicemail. Like, we're not going to come clean your house or anything. but No. <laughs> If there's money, if, if there's, it, well, depends, it depends on how much you're offering. Sad hustle. <laughs> Sad hustle, cleaning <laughs> listeners' apartments and houses. That would be great. Oh, my God. So thank you so much, Dash, for the message. That was awesome. And like I said, it was kind of like, wow, kind of blew my mind a little bit. Very so cool. thank you. Uh, do we have any housekeeping other than that we're going to be changing our recording time? But we're not going to. Chris and I talked about possibly changing the release day. I think but, we need to be consistent. But we need to be consistent because we already moved it once. So we're going to keep it with Tuesdays. Perfect. Because otherwise, Tuesdays, nothing. You know, There's nothing cool about Tuesday. A $10 large pizza at Papa Murphy's. That's oh, about true. all that there is on Tuesdays. 
so pizza on our podcast that's all you need pizza and podcast so i think that's all we got for housekeeping yep are you ready to jump into the taste test Let's and i promise it. it is not insects this week i'm not mad got at a lot of comments about us eating the insects i'm not gonna be mad at cory this week you're not gonna be mad at cory this okay. week we got one of our taste tests is from jamie and this is like one of the regional you know like okay like brian sent us the he uh, sent us um fish in a can before though oh that's right that was disgusting that was disgusting <laughs> so this is much better than fish so i'm not in gonna a be can. mad at jamie this so time we got either. one from jamie and we got one from my brother cory cool. who got us the insects but this is much better what do you want to do first? Do you want to do the one from Jamie, which is liquidy? Or do you want to do the one from Corey, which is solidy? Let's do the solidy one, okay. and then we'll wash it down with the liquidy okay. one. Okay, good thinking. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, this is we're going to make oh. you wait till the end of the episode, but we're going to read a pickle joke. We got one. another pickle joke. Yes. Who sent us this? Was it Eric? Eric. Eric, Eric. Orheim. Yeah. You're going to get one pickle joke per episode, but you have to wait to the end. So for tonight's taste test... It's Simpsons themed. Ooh. Yeah, it's from The Simpsons. Okay. And here you go. <laughs> Farmer Billy's Choco Bacon Bar. Ooh. Yep. A, this little piggy went to chocolate. <laughs> it's a, a chocolate bar with bacon in it. It's huge. It is huge. I have to take a picture, of course. And it's really funny. Of course. I, there's a, it's actual bacon. It's I'm not, excited. It's not faking. It's not actual. Faking? No, oh, I, I it's actual bacon. bacon. Bacon is disgusting. Farmer Billy's Choco Bacon Bar. I'm going to take a picture of the back, too. The Simpsons. There we go. You want to rip her open? You open her. Ugh. I like letting you open. It's, it's, open it's easy. It's a, it's a candy bar. Sure. It's paper. How hard can it be? I'd still find it's like a way to a paper cut. <laughs> or start something on fire. <laughs> Slice my hand open. Ooh. Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, there's no segments, so I'm just going to grab a chunk. And pass it. I mean, it's chocolate it and bacon. It can't so be good. bad. Mmm, it smells really good. Does it smell bacony or chocolatey? No, just chocolatey. I can see the chunks. There's actual chunks of bacon, though. <laughs> yeah, there are. I can see totally. the bacon chunks. Are you ready? I'm ready. One, two, three. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. There's. I only catch a little bit of bacon. Mm. There's like a salt. It's like a salty. It's like beneath the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it. I got a smoky. This is really good. Yeah. The chocolate is really good. Yeah. It's good quality chocolate, but there's like a salty, smoky. I like that. There's a little bit of saltiness in there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I totally get the smokiness of the bacon. So do I. I, I don't the... taste bacon. I taste the smokiness and mm-hmm. the saltiness. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It is good. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Corey. Yeah. Better than crickets. Not mad at you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done... I mean, you can buy donuts and stuff that have bacon. I've never had that before. So this is my first bacon I'm really chocolate. annoyed because last episode, Rhonda and I went into Walmart before you picked us up. And they had the Honey Bunches of Oats Maple Bacon Donuts Cereal. And I bought one and she bought one for herself and I think for Brittany. And I got it home and that was the best cereal I think I've really? ever had. I loved it and I can't find it anywhere anymore mm. now. I think they were getting rid of it at Walmart because I think it was like a limited time thing that's oh, done. Bummer. That would have been a good taste test. But it was so good. Mm. I loved it. It wasn't really bacon. It had like a, it was like a sweet cereal, maple cereal, but there was like a smokiness to it that mm. kind of like cut off some of the sweetness and it was so good. And maple actually has a smokiness to it too. It's a really good I pairing. love this candy bar. Mm-hmm. It's really good. More? No, I'm good. 
You should take that home, though. I'll be gone by the end of the episode. <laughs> Taste test number two. Wait, is, wait. I, are we going to rate this one first, or are we going to oh, rate them after? Yeah, this is a... Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a nine, just because I don't fully taste the bacon. I taste the smoky, salty, but I don't get like a bacon flavor. It could have bacon it up a little bit. I'm going to give it a yeah. nine also. But I love the little... Delicious. The little bacon flavoring you get. And there's like crunchy. Mm-hmm. It must be the bacon that's crunchy. I really like that. Our next one is going to be kind of sweet too, I think. Okay. So the next one is from Jamie and it is Eclipse coffee syrup to make coffee milk, which I guess coffee milk, he said, is a thing in Rhode Island. My husband would love this. Yeah. You mix it with milk. Okay. He said that like when they come here, they ask for coffee milk and like nobody knows what they're talking about. I'd be like, coffee milk? You mean you want milk with that's your coffee? That's what Jamie says. Like, that's I don't they, understand. They, make them, they give them coffee and pour a little milk into it. And Jamie says that's totally not the same. So this is like a Rhode Island regional thing. Okay. So I got us some milk and we are going to try the coffee milk. Sounds good. I was just telling Kurt on the way here that my husband and I are not normally Starbucks people. We prefer to support local coffee shops, but we must have been desperate one day. And we got their cold brew sweet vanilla cream coffee and i'm like obsessed now it is so good it has such a good strong coffee flavor to it all right how do you want to do this do we have a spoon no i think we're gonna have <laughs> i bet there's a spoon in there it, it do you think you can fit four tablespoons i figure we'll just split it in split two it, and in two cups two and, and then we'll just do two and yeah. two we have a spoon in there though to mix it up i'll check kurt is now entering the uh old school media closet closet o snacks where we also have eating utensils and paper plates. This is what I call riveting, riveting podcast material. And he found a spoon. Got a spoon. <laughs> I don't know if that's technically a this tablespoon. This is a teaspoon. I would call this a teaspoon. So three teaspoons is a tablespoon, but I think... I'm just going to glug it in there and just it. guesstimate. Yeah, just eyeball it. Okay. I trust you. Until well, you, you do like yours, you do, you do your own and I'll do my okay. own. That way we're not responsible if one of us messes it up. <laughs> is there caffeine in this? No, I don't believe so. High fructose corn syrup, corn tonight. syrup, coffee extract. Oh, coffee extract. Well, but it's not going to be that much. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And is that 2% milk? It is 2% milk. Okay. Why? Well, I'm sure the higher fat content in the milk, the better it's going to taste. True. I'm not into low-fat dairy. Okay. I'm so excited. It's got one of these dealies on it. Making Kurt struggle with the thing. You got to hook that under your fingernail. I don't have fingernails. Damn. I bite my fingernails. I'm making you do it now. I'm going to spill it all over my laptop. <laughs> Sparks everywhere. It's like a ketchup bottle. That I just poke them with thingy. like a... I just poke through that with a <laughs> handle from a spoon. Ooh. I got to smell it. Smells good. You can take you can take yeah, it is home there, with you. Yeah, there got a squeeze thing. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to spill this everywhere. So we're doing coffee and chocolate tonight. I mean, there's not a better combination. No, there in my isn't. Book. Other than chocolate and peanut butter. I'd I'd take coffee over peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, ready? I'm yep. going to do. Uh. <laughs> so this is like a. Straight it looks up like hot fudge syrup. It kind of does. It's very. That looks more like coffee. I'm going to start with. Just two. Maybe three. There you go. That's my girl. <laughs> oh, geez. I just splashed myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Can't take me anywhere. 
Krista measured hers out and I just shot mine all in there. So I have no idea how much I put in there. I almost licked the spoon before I handed it to you. Oh, whatever. I would trust you. <laughs> I have never heard of coffee milk before. Jamie no. explained it to me. <laughs> Was that your nose? <laughs> it, sounded like, it sounded like somebody laughing really hard. Oh, my God. I'm a little stuffed up. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. One, two, three. Ooh. That's really good, but... It doesn't taste like coffee, It doesn't coffee, taste though. as much like coffee as I expected. It's really good. I'm going to add a little more. You didn't I really spoon, like that. You? No. Because that was... Oh, I get a little coffee aftertaste. This would be really good mixed into ice cream. Yeah, it would be. Give me the spoon. I get the coffee and the aftertaste. Where does Jamie <laughs> live? He just went past and looked in the window. It looks like we're mixing drinks or making <laughs> drugs or something in here. <laughs> we're just, you know, making meth. <laughs> On a Wednesday night at a school. It's cool. <laughs> it's like straight up Breaking Bad. Oh, that's a lot stronger. <laughs> it's good. I would totally put that on ice cream. Oh, now oh. it's very coffee. I really like that, no, though. That is good. It's not like anything I've ever had. It's not like... It's sort it's of... It's not like a cappuccino, I don't think. There's but like, have you ever bought, speaking of Starbucks, you can buy those like... Yeah. It is like those cappuccino things, that the come cold in like ones the, in the cooler. They're kind of creamy. That just totally reminds me of that. I really like this. Yeah, it's delicious. My husband's going to freak out. Yeah. And that would be good on ice cream. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like this a lot. I do too. What are you giving it? Nine. A nine? Yeah. Me too. Okay. It's hard to give a ten. It's, but this is really it's good. It's really good. I, I've had what you're talking about, like the, you know, it comes in like a, a bottle or mm-hmm. whatever, a glass like a, bottle, like a, a frappuccino yeah. or whatever the heck they call it. But I, this taste, this has like a different taste to it, and I love coffee. <sighs> I'm probably gonna be up all night. Worth it. Worth every. Hour of sleepless night tonight. That is really good. Thank you so much, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never heard of this. But that's like people in Rhode Island probably haven't heard of some of the stuff we have. Like pickled herring. Pickled herring, kolaches. Fish fries. Fish fries. Fish fish boil. Kringle. Fish boil oh, came yeah. up this week because I've never been to a fish boil. I've never had fish boil. I've seen we'll them done. We'll have to go to Door County again. That's where I've seen them done was yep. in Door County, but I've never had fish boil. There's it's just, really good. There's something it's delicious. That, I'll trust you. It's delicious. But we do need to go to Door County again. We do. With Rhonda Rue. Thank you for being on the last episode, by the way, Rhonda. Yes. Great guest host. Aliens. We're just A lot up. of people like the alien one. I thought it was really funny that after I talked Why about... Why did you get three cups? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed thought... three cups. Rhonda's here in spirit. Yeah. I thought maybe we'd have one of the people out in the hallway come just in ask and hear. a random person yeah. to... What would you rate this? Do you drink this liquid we just mixed? <laughs> here, have a candy bar with some bacon in it. <laughs> oh, man. I should be so lucky. I love this. We're getting some really fun, different... Yeah, stuff to try. Yeah, stuff I've never heard of, but not all disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> some of it is. Some of it's disgusting. <clears throat> On to tonight's main topic. I'm pretty excited about this. Which is... Haunted slash creepy woods around the world. I have 10. I picked 10 of them from around the world. Uh, One of them is not really a woods, but I threw it in there anyway because I like it. And one of them 
is was a last minute addition I just threw in there. We'll get to that when I get to it. Okay. So we'll get to it when we get to it. When we get to it, we'll get to it. <laughs> Settle so, down, people. <laughs> without, without any further ado, here is our main story for tonight. According to a 1999 Harris survey, nearly 18% of people admitted to the fear of dark wooded areas, while 41% of people reported that they would not want to venture alone or spend a night in a dark forest. I would totally be down with that. Like I, I don't know if woods. I'd want to spend the night by myself, but we've talked about this. Yeah. The only reason I'm nervous about going into the woods alone is because I'm a female. Yeah, which is understandable. People are scary. To an extent, the fear of forests at night is more common in women than in men. <laughs> Alrighty <laughs> then. What you said. <laughs> Case in point. According to the website fearof.net, the excessive, often irrational fear of forests at night or dark wooded areas is referred to as nyctohylophobia. The word originates from nycto, which is Greek for night, and hylo, which is Greek for forests. Together, these words are combined with phobos, which is the Greek word for dread or deep aversion. Phobos, interesting. Mm -hmm. The phobia closely relates to hylophobia, which is the fear of forest, whether it's day or night. Okay. I don't understand that, but I, you know, I don't know. As stated above, nyctohylophobia has cultural roots. Our ancestors probably moved out of forests mainly because of their fear of wild animals and other unknown dangers, which these dark wooded areas provided. It might be this very fear that caused mankind to destroy forests on a large scale. Several fairy tales and children's stories could heighten the fear of dark wooded areas. Tales like Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood, and The Big Bad Wolf are often told to children so that they wouldn't venture out alone into dark wooded areas. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that can make a woods scary. Mm -hmm. Although I it, think greed is why they're being yeah, destroyed yeah. in mass quantity. Well, yeah, totally. Uh, woods can be dark even in the daytime. Mm -hmm. You know, sunny days, depending on how dense they are, they can be dark. Uh, you always have trees in your peripheral vision, so it's always like there's something moving moving your peripheral vision. There's wild animals. Uh, there's no walls to hide behind or anything to hide behind, so you're constantly vulnerable from almost all angles. And it's perpetuated by movies, books, and television that woods are where the predators, thieves, and monsters are. Well, I think woods can be disorienting, too. Woods can if be If you don't know where you are, yep. you can get turned around really easily. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the woods. Me, too. But, you know, the I thing is, we've talked about this on other episodes, too, that I've been in my woods that I walk through on my trail, mm -hmm. like, on really cloudy, gloomy days, and it feels, like, comfortable. And then I've been in those same woods days where it's sunny and nice, and you just have this feeling like something is wrong you know whether you feel like you're being watched or something or creeped out so just i'm always fascinated by woods i love forests i love woods and it's weird that i've never camped i've never been out camping in the woods that is weird yeah so we're, i picked 10 of these from around the world okay um you know there are a lot of websites that had the top 10 scary forests and a lot of them were the same so i went with a lot of the ones that i saw number 10 isn't technically a woods, but I just think it's really cool, so I threw it in there anyway. Okay. It hey, it's is, your podcast. You can do what you want. <laughs> it's our podcast. Oh, sure. This is our baby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, we had a baby. We had a baby. <laughs> Number 10 is the Isla de la Munecas, or the Island of the Dolls. Oh, yes. <laughs> I knew you would know that. That was on Destination Truth. Yes. Just south of Mexico City, you can find a small island which was never intended to become a tourist destination. The island is known as, 
like I said, I hate pronouncing these words. The island is known as Isla de la Munecas, or Island of the Dolls. Don Julian Santana Barrera was the caretaker of the island. The story goes that Julian found a little girl drowned under mysterious circumstances in the waters near the island. Shortly after finding the body, Julian saw a floating doll near the island, which he believed had belonged to the girl. He picked up the doll and hung it up in a tree as a way of showing respect and support to the spirit of the girl. Legends say that Julian was haunted by the spirit of the girl and started hanging more and more dolls in an attempt to please her spirit. He soon came to believe that the dolls themselves were possessed by spirits of dead girls and continued to collect creepy dolls, hanging them over the entire island. According to those close to him, it was as if Julian was driven by some unseen force that completely changed him. After 50 years of collecting dolls and hanging them on the island, Julian was found dead, drowned in the same spot where the girl had been found. Many people on the island believe that Julian has joined the other ghosts that are believed to roam the island and inhabit the dolls. After Julian's death in 2001, it has become a tourist attraction where visitors bring more dolls. Since the death of Julian, the island has become very famous and has been featured in many articles and on TV shows like Destination Truth. Technically, it is very overgrown and there are a lot of it is. trees. It is, but it's not technically a woods, but it, you can Google this. Google the Island of the Dolls. It's it really is creepy. really creepy. It's super creepy. Like, I'm not somebody that gets freaked out by dolls, I but am. when they're like dirty, broken dolls hanging in trees and, it's all, heads and, and it's all over the place, it's really creepy. Yeah, it is. So definitely check out the Island of the Dolls. Do a Google image search and you're going to see tons of pictures of this place mm-hmm. and... Yeah, Destination Truth was on there, and they, you know, did ghost hunting things and all that. And it's just creepy. So number ten is the Island of the Dolls. I like that inclusion. It's a good one. Okay, thank you. I was like, I gotta work that in some episode because it's fascinating, but it's <laughs> but not, it's not a whole it's not story. a whole story. But it's yeah. I'm gonna consider it a creepy woods because it's pretty creepy. And there's trees. It counts. Number nine is the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Ooh, the Pine Barrens, yes. I, I, is this I, like the Jersey Devil? Yeah, I okay. never knew about the Pine Barrens. I didn't, I've heard it mentioned, but I never knew anything about it until I started researching it, and I didn't realize how huge it is. It's like insanely big. Yeah, I watched a doc, I watched a documentary-style movie, kind of like the Blair Witch, about, about the, Jersey, the Devil? Jersey Devil, and it was actually really good. Really? It was long, was it found long time foot- ago. Was like a found footage? It was like a found, found footage, footage kind of, and it really creeped me out. It was actually, I, if I remember correctly, it was these guys doing a documentary about finding the Jersey Devil. The Jersey yeah. Devil. yeah. But no, I was amazed by that I really had never heard of this place before. The Pine Barrens, also known as the Pinelands or simply the Pines, is a heavily forested area stretching across more than seven counties of New Jersey. The New Jersey Pinelands National Reserve contains approximately 1,100,000 acres of land. Is that, That's a can lot. that be right? Yeah. That's I don't a know. A lot of acres. That does seem like a lot. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to Google it. Okay. 1 million acres. We're going to do some live fact checking here. Is, is New Jersey that big? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people just pulling The in. Pine Barrens is part of a 1.1 million acres. Wow. Jeez. So that is don't that get is big. lost in there, buddy. <laughs> I do not get lost you in never there. never finding your way I can't out. believe that's right. Wow. Yeah. The New Jersey Pinelands National Reserve contains approximately 1,100,000 acres of land and occupies 22% of New Jersey's land area. I mean, that's crazy. That's, yeah. like a, that's like a chunk of the... I had no idea. No, that. I didn't either. Hmm. One of the most famous legends of the Pine Barrens is that it's home to the Jersey Devil. 
The Jersey Devil was said to have been born in 1735 to a local woman named Mrs. Leeds in an area known as Leeds Point. One of the creature's origin stories says that Mrs. Leeds gave birth to a hideous monster that attacked her and her nurses before flying up and out of the chimney and disappearing into the barrens. According to the Pinelands Preservation Alliance, the Jersey Devil has been haunting the Pinelands for over 250 years. The creature is described as a kangaroo-like animal who has the head of a dog, the face of a horse, and the wings of a bat. So that's pretty crazy. Wait, it has the head of a dog with the face of a horse? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what it says. That's I don't a, understand. A, it's a, a creature described as a kangaroo-like animal who has the head of a dog, the face of a horse. Like it so has it's like, like the back. It has like head the of back. A dog. It must be the back. <laughs> looks like the head of a dog, and the face looks like a horse. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I've seen pictures, and it's pretty jacked up. Whatever it is. Yeah. A letter recently came in on the Weird New Jersey website describing a lonely stretch of road in the middle of the Pine Barrens called Indian Cabin Road. It read, quote, I went to school at Stockton State College, and I'm sure you know there are a ton of scary dirt roads down that way. My friends and I stumbled upon Indian Cabin Road one night. We heard stories circulating through Stockton that this road is haunted, so one night we decided to go out and find it. There is some freaky stuff on this road. It's a very small, long dirt road with tons of pine trees surrounding it. As you drive down it, there are some points in the road that are so thin your car barely fits through. First, we came across a house that had an insane shrine. It appeared to be some sort of satanic shrine. Very scary and very bizarre. We chose not to stop there since there was a light on in the house. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> we kept <laughs> Go going. Go knock on the door. Yeah. Hey. Hey, man, what's up with your freaky shrine? <laughs> we kept going, and at a good distance, we came across a shallow grave that appeared to have been there for many years. There was a gravestone. It was right by a small stream. I later found out the tale about it. Apparently, a young girl was raped by some man in the late 1800s who was only known as the Crucker. Oh, my God. C-R-U-K-K-E-R. That's freaky. Her family found her and buried her in the backyard of their home, which burned down in the early 1900s. The grave is the only thing left that still stands by the home. This Crooker is supposedly a rapist slash child molester who lives off of Indian Cabin Road deep in the Pine Barrens. I've heard that on dark, foggy nights, the cries of young children can be heard as you stand by the grave of the girl and face east towards the ocean. I've ventured down that road many nights, but have never come across him or anyone else. This road is quite scary, and the fact that people still actually live back there is perhaps even scarier. And that was sent in by J. Magliscario. Okay. So that's... I wonder why you have to face east. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's like really specific. Yeah. Another person wrote in and said, quote... I was on a comfortable afternoon bike ride one Sunday when I got brave and decided to venture down Indian Cabin Road. As I drove further down the dirt trail, I began to notice an unusual amount of garbage on the road. As I continued on along the side of the road, I noticed that the garbage seemed to be getting more and more abundant, and I began to see more and more bottles of Dr. Pepper. There were literally piles of Dr. Pepper bottles everywhere. As I followed this trail further into the woods, it eventually led up to a very old beat-up metal sign that read, Ice Cold Soda. Beyond that was what appeared to be some type of homemade shrine or sculpture made entirely of bottles of soda. It formed a large triangle that had either been glued or taped together, and was supported by softball bats duct taped together. In the middle of this sculpture was a large handwritten sign with one word on it, Candyman. Oh my god. I don't know what it meant or what it was supposed to be, but it freaked me out, that's for sure. Anyone who could have drank all this Dr. Pepper has to be slightly deranged anyway. 
<laughs> is this the same shrine that the other person's talking I don't, about? I don't know. I don't know. I don't see how that's satanic, but... It's creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know want to meet satanic. the Candyman. When I got I'm back... I'm guessing he's got really rotten teeth, though. I'm guessing so. <laughs> I like Dr. Pepper, though. Uh, yeah, I'm not a soda person, Not enough to build a shrine that says Candyman no, on it, but... No. When I got back home, I talked to several friends of mine about what I had seen. Several of them said they have heard of a local man known as the Crooker who is supposed to live in the woods behind Indian Cabin Road. They said that he was a child molester who used to live in the area and that he would sometimes try to tempt children with candy and soda. I didn't believe a word they were saying and thought they were making it up until I read your magazine the other day and saw that the Crooker was mentioned in one of the articles. I don't know if what I saw was the work of him or just some thirsty campers, but it was weird. It could still all just be an urban legend. Well, yeah. yeah. Just because it's in a magazine doesn't make it real. Other spirits said to inhabit the Pine Barrens include a ghostly black dog, a white stag that is said to aid lost travelers in the Barrens, and a ghost called the Golden-Haired Girl, the spirit of a young woman dressed in white, staring out over the water, mourning the loss of her lover at sea. Hmm. So the, the They're I, always dressed in white. Yeah. Yeah, Why but there's one, there's one later that's in black. Okay. So Mixing it up a little bit. But yeah, the, I'm kind of fascinated now by the Pine Barrens after reading this stuff. It's just a creepy name, the Pine it Barrens. It is. It is. Isn't that from It too, the Barrens? The Barrens was yep. from It, yep. So yeah, I'm. I'm. You, you and I need to travel a country and visit all these haunted uh, sure. woods. Sure, yeah. Hopefully we come back, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to run to the crook. sure I want to run into a horse slash dog-headed beast <laughs> in the middle of the woods. No. Number eight is the Ballyboley Forest in Northern Ireland. And this one's for Roxanne. Her What's sister up, Roxanne, Roxanne lives in Ireland. She doesn't live in Northern Ireland. I believe she lives in Central Ireland. Okay. Based on the circular trenches and distinctive stone arrangements, Ballyboley Forest in Northern Ireland is considered to be an ancient Druid site. It just sounds Irish. Yeah, it does. <laughs> From 1400 to 1700, the forest was well known to locals as a place where people often vanished without a trace. People who do venture into the woods report seeing billows of black smoke and hearing screams in the distance. In one instance, two men thought that they heard a lady howling in pain. Leaving the path to attempt to find her, they followed the sounds through the woods until they discovered a tree dripping with what looked like thick strokes of human blood. As they turned to run, the men saw what looked like human figures standing in the forest, motionless, watching them wearing brown head coverings. Stories like this have led people to believe that Ballyboley is a gateway to the Celtic otherworld. So that's creepy. That's really creepy. The guys with the brown. Yeah. That's freaky. Yeah. Reddit user Spartacus533 said, quote, So in 2005, when I was 13 and in my third year of secondary school, I took part in an outdoor team building scheme called the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme. For anyone outside of the British Isles, it's when you go on an expedition hill walking and mountaineering in groups of about six for two nights and three days. It's normally organized by schools and churches and also involves charity work and skill building exercises during the year. I think that sounds really cool. I think that's, that's Duke of Edinburgh is Queen, I believe that's Queen Elizabeth, the current queen, her husband. Oh. I think when he was in, I, have you watched The Crown? No, I have not watched <laughs> The Crown. It was something he did. Um, at the private school that he went to, they actually went out into the forest on this really long. Uh, Google it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed that you knew that. Oh, well, I'm I hear the crown is good. It's really good. Yeah, it's very good. 
When you're 13, you're eligible for the bronze level, and in my area, this involved a reasonably straightforward walk with the exciting but daunting prospect of camping for one night right in the middle of a local forest, Ballyboley Forest, in Northern Ireland. Now, I wasn't the fittest of kids, but I was with a group of friends, and it turned out to be good fun. The first few days involved nothing more exciting than navigating fields and hills, and it went without incident. On the last night, we ended up camping right in the middle of Ballyboley Forest with all of the other groups. It was at the very foot of a fire break, which is a long, thin stretch of ground with no trees, which means you can see for quite some distance with nothing hindering your vision. There were no teachers or leaders at this campsite, so naturally all hell broke loose. (laughs) (laughs) At about 8.15 p.m., as the light was beginning to dim, someone in another group began to ramble on about seeing people at the other end of the fire break moving around between the trees. In case it was another group who had gotten lost, a few of us marched up to the fire break to check it out. It was about a five-minute walk, and there was nothing but more trees and shrubbery, not a road or a natural footpath in sight. It wasn't taken very seriously until about an hour later. We were all gathered around a gas stove having hot chocolate when someone else noticed some kind of movement down at the far end of the fire break. This time, the figures that had been previously sighted were holding some kind of torches, but this is where it gets a bit weird. Rather than modern torches or flashlights or maglights, the figures seemed to be holding what were either branches that had been set on fire or some kind of strange oil lanterns that you held out in front of you. Hmm. We counted four of these figures. Someone later that night who lived on a farm and would therefore know a bit about this claimed that after the figures vanished, they could hear sounds like animals in a slaughterhouse in the distance crying and squealing. Well, that's horrifying. Needless to say, after the figures vanished, our young imaginations ran wild and we began to assume the worst was going to happen. In a small and very religious country like Northern Ireland, you are brought up hearing stories of the witchcraft and devil worship that supposedly takes place in secluded forests, and it took a lot of discussion and freaking out before we decided that someone should call the nearest teacher with their group's emergency mobile phone. I don't think I would sleep a (laughs) wink. But eventually, more rational voices began to pipe up and assure the more frantic campers that it was probably just another group in the forest because the firebreaks stretched very far. And we decided the best course of action was for everyone to go back to their tents, keep their flashlights handy, and stick together. The next morning, except for a few rumors of figures and lights seeing running around the tents, we laughed it off and carried on with the expedition. Eventually, it was rarely spoken about and became one of those stories that, as you get older, you find yourself struggling to remember if it was real or a dream. Hmm. Fast forward eight years. Now 22, I was flicking through articles on Facebook when I came across one called, quote, 10 Most Haunted Forests on Earth. It contained some of the usual ones, like the suicide forest in Japan, but I was amazed to see Bally Boley Forest was included at number five. It mentioned the usual paranormal activity that describe a lot of old places, but it intrigued me enough that I decided to research things a bit deeper. Then I came across a website called The Shadowlands, which documents real ghosts and unexplained stories in Ireland. In its segment on Ballyboley Forest, it explains how locals believe that it was once the site of druid rituals and sacrifices, and how some of the stone formations and trenches they created are still there. But every hair on my body stood up when I read someone else's post that said, On another date, 1997, two men say that they were in the forest when they heard a loud flapping sound. They thought nothing of it at first, but as they got walking, they started to hear other strange sounds, like a lady moaning in pain. They came across a place where the trees looked like they were thickly smeared with blood, which was from the other story. As they fled in terror, one man looked behind him and saw human-shaped figures in the forest behind him standing motionless where previously there had been no one, and he said that there were four figures, just like the one that they saw when they were kids. 
So that freaked them out. And, I'm freaked out. Yeah. Other sites report the practices of druids involved the creation of altars to sacrifice animals and then set them on fire, which goes some ways to explaining the frightened or tortured animal noises some people claim to hear. It was surreal to read so long after the event took place such eerily similar accounts and descriptions. Ugh. Yeah, so that's I'm Bally Bully. I'm sure I want to visit that forest. Bally Bully Forest. Anytime you I'm see, not sure anytime I there's, to anytime visit. there's. People standing motionless just among the trees. You? Yeah, that's. I just got the chills. Yeah, thinking that's a big. About that. That's a big nope. Yeah. So that's number eight, Ballyboley Forest in Ireland. Ballyboley. Ballyboley. Just fun to say. Number seven is the Devil's Tramping Ground in North Carolina. Well, that just sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a place the place I want to visit. <laughs> pack up the kids and bring them to the Devil's Tramping Ground. <laughs> yes. The Devil's Tramping Ground is a camping spot located in a forest near the Harper's Crossroads area in Bear Creek, North Carolina. It has been the subject of persistent local legends that claim the devil walks around and haunts a barren circle of ground in which nothing is said to grow. It has been said that nothing has grown within this 40-feet ring for over 100 years. Legends say that this is the very place where the devil himself can rise from hell, come up to earth, and pace in a circle, plotting ways to bring his evil into the world. Journalist, newspaper editor, and author John William Hardin of Greensboro, North Carolina, had this to say of the Drevels. (laughs) (laughs) The Drevels. (laughs) Sounds like I got a case of the Drevels tonight. (laughs) Journalist, newspaper editor, and Arthur... Arthur. Journalist, newspaper editor, and author John William Hardin... God. <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Journalist, newspaper editor, and author John William Harden of Greensboro, North Carolina had this to say of the Devil's Tramping Ground. Quote, The locals say that the devil goes there to walk in circles as he thinks up new means of causing trouble for humanity. There, sometimes during the dark of night, the majesty of the underworld of evil silently tramps around that bare circle, thinking, plotting, and planning against good and in behalf of wrong. Legends about the ring are well known in local areas. These include the disappearance of objects left within the ring overnight or returning in the morning to find the objects had been flung far outside the circle, of dogs howling and becoming frightened, not wanting to go near the circle, and strange events occurring to those brave enough to spend the night within its boundaries. Legends say that the people who stay the whole night in the circle slowly go insane. Many people who have spent the night in the circle have reported seeing strange shadow-like figures in the tree line watching them. There have also been reports of satanic rituals taking place in the circle and of people hearing a soothing voice and melody that lulls them to sleep only to wake up miles away from the circle. Oh, that's creepy. The site has also been believed to be a landing spot for UFOs. Most skeptics believe that the ground there is basically just a huge salt lick, which is preventing things from growing, and that constant walking around by curious people helps keep the area barren. But people that do live near there swear that the place is haunted, that Mm -hmm. they've seen things in that circle. They see lights moving around. They see figures in the trees. So that is number seven, the Devil's Tramping Ground. Okay. We're we're checking these off. You and I are going to spend a night in each of these places. Yep. For our listeners. By ourselves. By ourselves. Yeah, no. (laughs) Not happening. (laughs) Number six is the Elfin Forest of California. Elfin Forest? Elfin. E-L-F-I-N. Well, that actually does sound It sounds really cute. It sounds really cute. I want to go there. Yep. The Elfin Forest, California. Elfin Forest is an unincorporated residential community of San Diego County in the foothills of the Santa Rosa Mountains and southwest of Escondido, California. Bridget, I don't know how close Bridget lives to that, or Edith now. Edith is in California, too. 
Bridget or Edith, you guys go there, check that place out yeah. for us, okay? Homework. Elfin Forest is said to be one of the most haunted places in the world. In the world. Everybody claims that. I know. All of these have claimed that. <laughs> Many years ago, it is said that a family of three were wandering and exploring the woods, enjoying the summer day. Friends of the family soon came to realize that the family hadn't returned from their trip in the woods. Finally, just as their friends were starting to become concerned, it said that a ragged figure crested a hill and came stumbling down. It was the woman from the family, the wife and mother, barely recognizable through the mud and the torn, dirty clothes. The woman had a look of pure terror in her eyes, telling the people that her husband and son had been murdered in the woods after a group of men had come out of nowhere and attacked them. She said that she had managed to get away, but her husband and son had been brutally murdered. The townspeople took her in and nursed her back to health. Over time, it said that the fear in her eyes left and it was replaced with rage. Wait, when did this happen? It just said a long time ago. <laughs> I don't the know. The townspeople just took I, her in? They didn't I couldn't like find a date. Well, she was the from the town because her and her, her, and her, her, oh, and her, okay. her, and her, they were, the, her and her husband and son were from the town. They went in the okay. woods and she came back saying that they were murdered. She then began spending her days with old books of the occult and her nights were spent meeting with mystics from a local Indian tribe and other communities. Eventually, she said she was ready. Dressed all in white, she walked into the woods and was never seen again. Oh boy. As the years passed, hikers and campers in the Elfin Forest reported seeing the ghostly figure of a woman in white moving through the woods. Sometimes she moved incredibly fast, other times impossibly slow. People attempted to call to her, but she would simply vanish. In recent years, however, the residents of Harmony Grove say that she has recently went into the light and moved on from this world. And that brings us to Harmony Grove. Some websites make this place sound creepy or satanic, but I think it sounds really cool. Like I think this sound, Harmony Grove sounds like a place that you would like to go to. It's like Stars Hollow, which is from Gilmore Girls. Hold on. The Elven Forest... So the Elfin. only thing, Elfin Forest, the only thing that happened there was her family was murdered? Oh, there's other ghost stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the region of Spooks Canyon of the Elfin Forest, there... <laughs> Spooks, Spooks Canyon. Canyon. In the region of Spooks Canyon of the Elfin Forest, there was once a small community of gypsies. Seeking privacy and solitude, they dedicated their lives to what many would call the, quote, dark pursuits. Seances and other rituals were held daily at a sacred rock labyrinth in the heart of the forest, which is still there today. Surrounding towns would always wonder what was going on in the small community where the women wore long flowing gowns and danced in a strange manner. Over time, the gypsies began to make friends with the other communities nearby and shared a little bit of what they had been doing. They said that they had found out that dozens of Indian children had been hastily buried alive standing upright in the hills surrounding Spooks Canyon, oh and the gypsies were trying to speak with them. The people from the other towns were like, uh, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> okay. nice. Have fun with that. <laughs> yep. Check, yeah. But it's said that shortly after that, a local resident reported multiple sightings of packs of Indian children running and playing in the early hours of the morning. None of the children were known to the resident, and she did not know any Indian families in the area who dressed in the old traditional Indian clothing. So they like set them free That's or weird. something? I don't yeah. know. That's weird. In recent years, mysterious footprints have been seen along a concrete pipe laying within the forest. Appearing as what looks like bare feet and dried paint, some people insist that these are the residual haunting of the Indian children. The original gypsy residents of Harmony Grove eventually came into conflict with the nearby towns, whether out of fear or something else. They were driven out by an angry mob, and several of them were brutally murdered as they fled. Legend says that the gypsies did have time to cast one last spell or perform one last ritual. It's said that they cursed all of Elfin Forest and incited the spirits of the woods into vengeance. 
It's also been said that one of the gypsies remains behind and is still there to this day. She takes the form of a black-cloaked woman riding a black stallion. Visitors entering the forest sometimes feel a strange chill, and it's claimed that this is the invisible mark of the witch. The story goes that should a bearer of this mark enter the forest a second time, the witch will ride up on her stallion, stare at them, and they will die on the spot. Today, the former gypsy community in the woods is called Harmony Grove, and its members are called the Harmony Grove Spiritualist Association. Its 13-acre grounds are filled with psychics, occultists, and paranormalists, and it has become a well-known center of ghost hunting. They live within the woods, perform tarot or psychic readings, and love to educate hikers, ghost hunters, and other visitors on the many supernatural creatures of Elfin Forest. There are psychic fairs held every Sunday, and the seance room is open, and charms and homemade jewelry are sold, and tourists can visit the stone labyrinth. Sadly, most of the area was destroyed in the 2014 wildfire, but they are busy restoring. I don't know about the last wildfire, because I think the last wildfire might have wiped all of that out. I didn't I didn't look that up and I probably should. It sounds like a renaissance fair but for It does. Like it sounds really cool. It sounds like stuff. a place that I would actually love to go mm-hmm. and visit. Stories still persist today of hikers and campers seeing ghosts and unexplained figures in the woods at night. Also, the area of the woods known as Quest Haven was once home to an insane asylum. Stories abound of ghosts, poltergeists, and strange creatures, including a 10-foot-tall white owl-like creature that is said to soar the sky between midnight and 2 o'clock a.m., picking up any human prey that it finds. Maybe it's Mothman. It might be Mothman. I've never heard of him being white, though. No, I haven't either. But that is the Elfin Forest. It all sounds right. like I would love to check that place out. Like, of all these places that I've, I've, I'm bringing up in this, this is like the one place that I would legitimately like to go. Because it sounds... But like I said, I don't know if it's still around after the last wildfires. Number five is the Old House Woods in Virginia. And a lot of this comes from the website Mysterious Universe, which is an awesome website. Oh, their podcast is amazing. Their podcast is amazing. So this is pretty much straight from Mysterious Universe. Okay. Located in the Tidewater area of Matthews County, Virginia, is the small town of Diggs, where a small road called Haven Beach Road leads off to a nearby 50-acre patch of dense pine woods and swampy marshland. Known as Old House Woods, the area was once a popular shipping port before and during the Revolutionary War, both for soldiers as well as pirates, who used the dense woods as a place to hide out and lay low, and it was considered a dangerous area for travelers to pass through. It was also a popular port area during the American Civil War when it was no less surrounded by tales of danger. Over the years, it has earned a sinister reputation for all manner of legends and ghostly phenomena which have earned it the nickname Black Forest or Haunted Woods. Even the origin of the name of the forest itself, Old House Woods, is steeped in the paranormal. The name is said to have come from the fact that in the late 1700s, there was a lone house standing in the center of the woods known as the Franny Night House. And according to legend, it was a long abandoned structure that was haunted by ghosts and set itself on fire one day, only to put itself out again on its own. It then caught fire again years later without any known cause. This time it burnt down to its foundation, which is now overgrown and strangled with vegetation, and that's all that remains of the house today. There are numerous legends of treasure and all sorts of stuff, treasure, all sorts of pirate goods, buried throughout the woods by both British soldiers and pirates. One such treasure is said to have been buried along the shores of White's Creek in the 1600s by one of the bands of pirates that were known to frequent the area. It is rumored that the pirates buried a huge stash of gold coins here before heading out to get more. Their ship was said to have been lost at sea in a raging storm and the treasure was never found. 
Another treasure said to be buried somewhere here is from a ship sent to America in 1651 by England's King Charles II as a precaution in the event that he was forced to flee England to take refuge in the colonies. The ship was allegedly on its way to Jamestown when it was hit by a storm and found itself lost in sailing along White's Creek. It was here that the tired crew was ambushed by bandits who slaughtered them, stole the sizable haul of gold, and buried it in the old house woods for safekeeping, planning to come back later to retrieve it. Depending on the version of the tale, the bandits then either headed out to sea and were killed in a storm, or were captured and put to death for their crimes. In either case, the treasure is said to have remained where it had been hidden. All of these treasures are said to be guarded by ghosts. In this case, the treasure is guarded by the restless spirits of the crewmen of King Charles' ship, who eternally watch over it. Some versions of the story claim that the dead bandits return to the site to dig for the treasure in the dark of night, sometimes carrying glimmering ghostly lanterns. Over the years, many people have gone to look for these treasures with no luck. One of the rumors about these lost treasures is that they have a way of making those who look for them disappear. There have been stories of would-be treasure hunters entering the woods to never be seen again, and one story talks of one treasure hunter who allegedly found one of the stashes, only for his boat to be found drifting in the bay carrying some very old gold coins but having no sign of where the man had gone. He was never seen again. One of the most bizarre paranormal events that happens in this woods is the presence of whole ghost ships that appear in the area. Perhaps the most well-known account of these is a sighting made in the late 19th century by a fisherman with the name of Ben Farabee, who was out in his boat fishing on White's Creek near Chesapeake Bay when he saw a large, a large masted wooden vessel like a galleon suddenly appear in the water of the bay, with lights and shadowy crew members visible standing on board staring off into the distance. The mysterious ship was headed right for Farabee, whose calls went unnoticed by the ship's crew, and who then maneuvered his small boat in a panic as it became clear that it was on a collision course. However, when the huge ship came closer to him and a crash seemed inevitable, the ship instead went right through him and continued on without incident, leaving churning waves and the sound of harp-like music in its wake. Farabee stared in disbelief as the ship continued on its path, hovered up over the beach, and proceeded to float up over the trees as if it were still on water. Wow. It was then that a rope ladder could be seen being dangled off the side of the phantom ship, with men carrying tools and other contraptions climbing down it into the wilderness. <laughs> That's just weird. It's like Scooby-Doo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or like uh, Peter Pan stuff. Yeah, exactly. There have been various other reports of phantom ships as well, usually describing a similar sight, a large wooden sailing ship of some sort, often described as looking like a Spanish galleon, which will either appear out in Chesapeake Bay or in White's Creek and float over water, sometimes as much as 50 feet over the waves, as well as over land and trees before disappearing from sight, sometimes right before the startled witness's eyes. In most reports, the ship is completely silent, and it is often described as being wreathed in a mysterious glowing fog. Sometimes shadowy crew members can be seen on the decks, and they seem oblivious to any attempts to call out to them or signal them. Many reports have told of the ship stopping in midair directly over the old house woods, where they proceed to lower ghostly crew that either search the area for something or simply vanish. That's just so weird. It is weird. In addition to the ghost ships, there are many other apparitions said to roam these woods. One of the most famous is the ghostly figure of a woman who is said to be dressed in a flowing gown, often described as giving off a blue or green glow, with her hair appearing to be whipped around by the wind even on calm nights. This woman is known to walk among the trees or even float above the ground while unleashing a deafening, unearthly scream, and it is said that her appearance is a sign of an impending and powerful storm, 
which has gained her the nickname of the, quote, Storm Woman. It is believed that if the Storm Woman is seen, it is a good idea to vacate the area, as it most certainly means that a storm is coming. Another commonly reported ghostly phenomenon is the presence of hazy Revolutionary War-era British redcoats among the thick trees in the woods. Other similar reports speak of being approached by marching bands of the ghostly redcoats or even fired at by them, with the ghostly bullets passing through bodies or obstacles without doing any damage. In some instances, these redcoats are said to be looking for something. And even weirder than ghostly redcoats is the stories of strange skeletons dressed in armor wandering around the woods. One witness by the name of Jesse Hudgens reported in 1926 that he had been approached by a group of mysterious strangers carrying lanterns that gave off an eerie glow. As he came closer to the strangers, he noticed that they were skeletons wearing some sort of old-fashioned armor, one of which approached and waved an ancient-looking sword at him. <laughs> Pretty wow. sure I would turn around and run. Yeah. Oh, this is good, too, here. There are also reports of phantom black horses, ghostly crows, and even various reports of a headless cow. A headless cow. <laughs> a headless cow. Okay. That's one ghost that I would think. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of cute and sad. Headless cow. <laughs> poor headless cow. Like, what does a headless cow do? Just stand there? Yeah, it's not like it can graze or anything. Yeah. So here's the headless cow. Travelers once refused to pass through the area because horses would fly into a panic in the area or refuse to go any farther. This feeling of dread extends to human beings, with some visitors being overwhelmed by a feeling of imminent doom or panic with some refusing to continue past a certain point. There are also instances of people feeling like the breath is being drawn from their body, leaving them choking and unable to breathe. Since the area was first settled right up to modern times, strange orbs of light have been seen dancing through the trees, as well as a strange green glow said to engulf the entire area. There are also frequent reports of a strange smell like sulfur, which will suddenly fill an area until it becomes unbearable before fading away and electrical equipment often refuses to work. Mm. So that is the old house woods. So quick side note. Mm -hmm. um, I'm taking a road trip in June to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. And Harper's Ferry, do you remember the show? Harper's Island? <laughs> I remember that show. I, remember, I loved Harper's that was a Island. Good show. It was a good show. No, it. I can't remember the name of the show. No, it was like a ghost hunting show. Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, it, it was kind of in that area is where it took place. It focused on this one town. They were always um, investigating this one town. And they went to Harper's Ferry one day, which was nearby, and they investigated a couple different places there because it's a yeah. Civil War, war yeah. area. So yeah. I'm really excited to... We might go on some ghost tours and visit some Civil War. I'm totally jealous. I would yeah, love to do I'm, that. I'm really excited. So hopefully I'll come back with some good stories for the podcast. Yeah. I hope you get haunted or something. Well, no. I don't oh, want to okay. get haunted. <laughs> you know, Harper's Island was a show that didn't get enough credit because Harper's Island was a cool Wasn't idea. Wasn't there only one season? There was just one season. Yeah. It and was And the whole, really the whole premise of the show was that this group of friends went out to an island for a wedding between two of the main characters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Wow, that was a few years ago. And huh? somebody on the islander in the wedding party was a serial killer and like every episode people would die and you know and until the end of the series when you found out which one was serial killer was but it was just a really well done show hmm. yeah it was good i know you and i were it was one of the shows we texted about yeah we texted while we were watching number four the morgan monroe state forest in indiana Located off of Old State Highway 37 in the Morgan Monroe State Forest in Indiana is a small dirt trail that leads to an abandoned cemetery named Step Cemetery, around which a few ghostly legends have come up. Only about two dozen or so grave markers remain here and all of them are old and crumbling as no one has been buried here in decades. 
Along the southern edge of the grounds is a row of tombstones, and near the tombstones is a worn-down tree stump that is kind of in the shape of a chair. No one really knows when the burial ground was started or who started it. Forest rangers tell visitors that some area families founded it, but local rumors state that a now-defunct religious cult called the Crabites may have had some (laughs) connection to it. The Crabites? The Crabites. Apparently, this group conducted religious services that included snake handling, speaking in tongues, and sex orgies. Local legend has it that a deputy from the area once stated that he had been called to the cemetery late one night to break up a particularly strange crabite ritual and that he had to, quote, use a bullwhip to settle things down. So a that's bullwhip? A, a bullwhip. So that's a freaky scene going on there that oh, night. Yeah. Uh, I actually looked a lot into the crabites. <laughs> I can't really find anything. Like it's a lot such of, a when bizarre I, name. When I Googled crabites, like almost everything that came up dealt with this cemetery. Huh. So I'm super intrigued by the Crabites, and I'm going to continue my Crabites search. Okay. But yeah. He had Maybe that'll a, be an episode. He had to use a bullwhip to settle things down. You know things are getting crazy when you need when, to When the deputy the has to bring out the bullwhip. Uh. <laughs> Stories tell of a ghostly woman who watches over the cemetery and certain gravestones in the darkest hours of the night. Over the years, scores of people have claimed that they have seen her in the darkness, seated silently on the old tree stump that is found nearby. In his book, Haunted Indiana, Arthur Mark Merriman tells of a young woman who came to the region from the east. Her husband went to work in one of the local quarries, and they settled down and had a daughter. One afternoon, her husband was killed in a dynamite explosion at the quarry, and he was buried in Step Cemetery. After that, her daughter became her sole purpose in life, and she watched over her constantly as she got older, attended school, and later met a young man of her own. But one rainy night, when coming home from a date, the young couple was killed in an automobile accident. In a repetition of the earlier tragedy, the daughter, too, was buried in Step Cemetery. Her mother never recovered from the girl's death. Soon, it's said that the woman began to make nightly journeys to the cemetery, where she would sit for hours on the stump that looks like a chair, talking to her dead husband and daughter as if they were still alive. Mm. It was here where locals who passed by the cemetery began to see the woman in black sitting and weeping as the sun set. It was said that if anyone approached her, she would run away and hide in the woods and would not return until they had left. Soon, local residents began to avoid the graveyard as it was believed the woman was crazy. Hmm. Eventually, the woman too died, and according to legend, she was also buried in Step Cemetery. Her ghost is said to still show up in the cemetery, though, lingering in the graveyard and watching over the remains of her family. Many people believe that her ghost can still be seen in Step Cemetery on nights of a full moon when the woman in black returns to sit on the chair-like stump. There have been a lot of sightings over the years from people who do report having seen a black figure slowly rise from the old tree stump and turn towards them in the darkness. The descriptions they give of the woman in black are strikingly similar. She is said to look young, but to have long white hair. Hmm. Sometimes people walking near the cemetery have reported hearing the sounds of a woman sobbing in the cemetery at night. When they go to check to see if anyone is injured or ill, they find that no one is there. Police are routinely called about the crying. Also in the Morgan Monroe State Forest is the legendary Draper Cabin. This cabin is home to a lot of paranormal activity and ghost sightings, leaving no mystery as to why this cabin remains abandoned. People have reported hearing whispering from inside the cabin or seeing people staring at them from the windows of the cabin when nobody is there. There have also been reports of satanic rituals happening inside the cabin, 
an urban legend of a park ranger dying inside the cabin, and a murderer that is said to roam the grounds near the cabin looking for his next victim. Hmm. You can rent the cabin to stay in it overnight. The cabin and its grounds, which include a fire pit area as well as its own out as well as its own outhouse facilities, oh. can be rented for twenty five dollars a night year round. Oh, I boy. think that would be cool. That's super cheap. I know. I would totally do that. I would totally <laughs> want to spend the night in I there. I feel like they have to pay you to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally stay there. I read a bunch of comments from people who stayed there, and a lot of people said that they had strange experiences, almost all of them reporting a strange feeling of vertigo, nausea, and unease just being in the woods alone. There have also been reports of a ghostly dog seen in the woods, and there have been tons of Bigfoot sightings. Campers sleeping in tents have reported stories of rocks constantly being thrown against their tent at night. So the show, quick side note, was called Ghosts of Shepherdstown. And I, Nick Graff actually was a part of it for yeah, a little Yeah, I remember that show. But yeah. Sweet. So that's the show that investigated places at Harper's Ferry. Quick side note, talking, speaking of a cemetery in the woods, Glenn Beulah. Yeah. Sherry Myers, listener, co-worker of mine, wants to go there and try to catch some EVPs. You should. She's like, well, you should come with us. Well, remember, we caught that weird one there that sounded like a little girl saying, oh, no, or mm-hmm. saying something weird when there was like nobody there. And Joe and myself and another co-worker went there and caught some really strange stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, so. that, that, that cemetery is supposed to be like big time haunted. Yeah, it ha- it's, it's the kind of place so that you don't feel scared. No. It has a really good draw to it. Yeah. It feels really... But then you end up getting like weird stuff on your audio. Yeah. Yep. Like JFK prep. Yep. Number three, and this is... I I admit that this is the one that I just threw in there because I actually had two other forests that I researched that I was going to put in there, but both of those other forests ended up being parts of triangles. You know, like we talked about the Lake Michigan Triangle. yeah. Because one of the forests I talked about is part of the Bridgetown Triangle, and the other one that I wrote about was part of the Bennington Triangle. So those are going to kind of be held off for their own episodes, I think, even if it's just like a mini mystery. Yeah. So at the very last minute, I threw in as number three, the Black Forest in Germany. Ooh, that's where my family is from. That Really? From the Black Forest? Mm -hmm. That's cool. I mean, that, my mom's side of the family. That's like the quintessential dark, scary mm-hmm. woods. When the Romans arrived in these woods, they were spooked by the fact that hardly any light is able to break through the dense forest, and they named it the, quote, Black Forest. In Germany, this place is known as the Schwarzwald and has developed a fairy tale persona for its iconic cuckoo clock, world famous spas, and numerous monasteries, castles, and ruins. This forest has also been the setting for the Brothers Grimm fairy tales. While the Grimms didn't invent the scary story genre, Schwarzwald provided ample inspiration. Legends hold that it is haunted by werewolves, witches, and even the devil. The tale of, quote, De Grossman is that of a tall, horribly disfigured man with bulging eyes. Bad children who entered the forest were made to confess their sins to him, and the worst children were never found again. Near the now-vanished village of Wolmerspur, a headless horseman rides once every year on a great white steed. Eberg Castle is home to beautiful ladies visible only at night and a legendary wine cellar that no one has managed to find. Right there is something that we could go try. (laughs) I want to see these beautiful ladies that are visible only at night. There are also the Baden nymphs who dwell in the murky waters of the Mummel Lake, sharing space with an undead king who is reported to kidnap women and take them to his underwater lair. Mm. That is the Black Forest in Germany. Like I said, I don't have a whole lot about that because that was a last-minute addition. So, sorry. 
one of those triangles, I don't remember if it was the Bridgetown or the Bennington, is like right near where Jamie lives. Jamie, oh, really? who was a co-host on here and who mm-hmm. wrote our awesome theme music. So next time Jamie comes on the show, I'd like to have that as a topic because a lot of it was like Fall River, Massachusetts, like right out where he lives. Well, you need to make him visit those places, though, so he can report. Yes, yeah. Homework. Spend two or three nights. That's all you got to do. We are now assigning homework. Yeah, we're now assigning. You know, Bridget and Edith, you need to check out Elfin Forest. <laughs> yep. uh, Roxanne, Ballyboley. Yep. Jamie, one of those triangle places. Now we get to the big two, the final two. I think I know what number one is. You know what number one be. is. Um, like everybody does. Number two is the Hoya Basayu Forest in Romania. Mm. Romania. Romania just has that dark <laughs> I know, sort of. I know. I know. You picture is that where Dracula's supposed yes, to be? Yes, where okay. Vlad the Impaler was. Yeah. yeah, that is the Hoya Basayu Forest. Gesundheit. Hoya Basayu, <laughs> just outside Roman Romania, Romania, <laughs> Romania. <laughs> Hoya Basayu is in the depths of Transylvania. So right there, Transylvania. Yeah, right there. It's scary as hell. It has been called the creepiest forest in the world and the, quote, Bermuda Triangle of Transylvania. It's also famous for its twisted, angular, or spiraling trees, which throws a lot of people off when they are in the woods. Botanists have failed to explain why the trees in this particular forest grow in such unusual shapes. This isn't found in any other forest around the world. And if you look at pictures, the trees are, like, messed up. Like, it's it's creepy. Okay. Are you going to post that? We should post pictures on the Strangers page. Oh, I should, of all these forests and stuff. Yeah. The forest is named after a local shepherd who entered the forest with about 200 sheep and was never seen again. Locals searched for him, but were unable to find any trace of him or the sheep. In 1968, a biologist by the name of Alexandru Sift, who was actually in the forest to study its many strange anomalies, took a series of amazingly clear photos of a disc-shaped craft flying above the tree line over a meadow. This was quickly followed by more photos of a UFO taken by a military technician named Emil Barnia on August 8, 1968, and Barnia lost his job due to the photographs. Well into the 70s, the forest became known for its intense concentration of UFO sightings and photographs. Interesting. Yeah. The most recent high-profile UFO sighting to come from the forest occurred in 2002 when two residents on the top floor of an apartment complex in an adjacent city managed to capture 27 seconds of footage of a bright cigar-shaped object around 50 meters in length hovering over the forest. Today, visitors to the forest report strange symptoms. Nausea, strange scratches, migraines, anxiety, the feeling of being watched, and the failure of electronic devices. Some people who venture into the woods come out reporting strange burn marks on their skin. The most common phenomenon is the sudden appearance of mysterious orbs of light, or ectoplasm. These mysterious orbs of light have been studied by paranormal investigators using a range of scientific equipment such as infrared cameras and thermal detectors. It has been found that these orbs do not seem to produce any heat as thermal imaging equipment has thus far failed to turn up any heat signatures for them. They also seem to be completely random in their activity. People also report hearing disembodied female voices, sometimes coming from the lights and sometimes coming from the surrounding woods, the voices softly weeping, giggling, or whispering. All three of those are Really weird. creepy. Yeah, all three of those I'm okay not hearing. I think giggling would be the creepiest giggling thing. Giggling would be the creepiest. Sometimes people in the forest report missing time. 
One report is that of a young girl who is said to have disappeared inside the forest only to reappear five years later wearing the same clothing and unable to remember where she had been. Jesus. That's like missing 411 totally stuff missing right there. That is totally missing 411. This paranormal activity seems to be focused on a clearing in the forest that is a vegetation dead zone, just like the devil's tramping ground. Mm. It is nearly a perfect circle in the woods where nothing ever grows. Soil samples have been taken from the site and analyzed, but the results show that there is nothing in the soil that should prevent the growth of any plant life. Locals believe that this circle is a hub for paranormal activity. They consider this circular spot to be the home of these ghosts. Photos taken here have revealed hovering shapes and outlines of human forms further backing up the claims. EVPs captured by ghost hunters inside the clearing often include screaming, giggling, growls, and whispers. Visitors often claim that they were hit by thrown stones, as well as having the rear windows of their cars get broken by thrown stones when nobody is nearby. Strange drum-like sounds are also heard, and lights have been seen wandering through the misshapen trees. Locals believe that these ghosts are likely the spirits of murdered Romanian peasants that perished in the surrounding area. So Destination host... Truth had a really good episode here, and I believe that's the one where the guy, the camera was on the guy in the field, and it was like he got attacked or like pulled. Was he pulled, pulled backwards? Yeah, like yeah, like something really. He I don't was remember. By himself, yeah, sitting in this clearing, like cross-legged. Yeah, and they had they were all watching him on the camera somewhere else, and all of a sudden he just shot off. Yeah. backwards out of the camera's yeah. view like he was dragged off. I think off. that was that episode. It was really yeah. creepy. You know the stone throwing thing? That's such a Bigfoot thing. Yeah. I wonder if there's been Bigfoot sightings there. Um, probably. I'm sure. I'm sure. The, the previous story had the tent, the people camping in tents reported stories of rocks constantly being thrown against their tents at night. Yeah. And there, there were Bigfoot sightings there so I'm assuming but I didn't really come across any Bigfoot sightings here. Hmm. One theory is that the forest holds a gateway or portal to another dimension or brushes up against some thin spot between our world and another. It is postulated that this could explain the various entities and orbs frequently spotted in the forest, as well as the missing people and even those who have experienced lost time or seemingly teleported from one area to another. Others believe that there is some sort of alien base here that is causing the UFO sightings, orbs, and even hallucinations and abnormal readings on various measuring equipment. An even stranger theory is that the forest was the center of the lost civilization of Atlantis. Oh. What? Yeah. And these mysterious Strange. ancient inhabitants created teleportation portals to give them the power to travel anywhere in the world or the universe. Hmm. So this, this one shows up a lot. Like, of the places that can be legitimately called the scariest forest in the world. I think that this Hoya Basayu could totally be that because okay. it's just, it's creepy. Chock full of it, creepy it's, stuff. Yeah, I mean, there were like, I read reports of people that go in there and they say the trees, the trees throw you off right away because they're all angular and going off in different directions and it's dense. You can't see anything and it just sounds like, this place I would not like to visit. This place sounds super creepy. I feel like I can't afford it anyway. No. But I think that this one, Ireland. I think I think that was legitimately one of the creepiest mm -hmm. forests in the world. And that brings us to number one, which is, of course, and I'm only going to pronounce this once, Aokugahara, Japan. Aokugahara, also known as the you Sea of... You just said it twice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I listen to like pronunciation okay. YouTube videos yeah. and stuff. Aokugahara is also known as the Sea of Trees or as what? Suicide Forest. The Suicide Forest. So we're just going to call it the Suicide yeah, let's Forest. Do that. It's way more ominous anyway. Yep. 
The Suicide Forest is a forest on the northwestern side of Japan. And if you'd never heard of this place, this place is seriously amazing and sad and scary. What's the name of the mountain? Uh, Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji. Yep. Because So my girlfriend, who I'm going to visit in West Virginia, just took a trip to Japan. Um, the, over New Year's, they went there with her family. And their hotel, you could see Mount Fuji in the background. Really? Yeah. Mount Fuji is pretty. Yeah. It's beautiful. This place, not so pretty. Mm. Well, it's at the base of Mount Fuji. Yep. The Suicide Forest is a forest on the northwestern side of Japan's Mount Fuji, consisting of 35 square kilometers or 14 square miles of hardened lava laid down by the last major eruption of Mount Fuji in the year 864. Parts of the forest are unbelievably dense, and the porous lava absorbs sound, helping to provide visitors with a sense of solitude. One visitor described the silence as, quote, chasms of emptiness. She added, quote, I cannot emphasize enough the absence of sound. My breath sounded like a roar. Since the forest is so dense, in recent years, hikers and tourists trekking through the suicide forest have begun to use plastic tape to mark their paths to avoid getting lost. Designated trails lead to several tourist attractions, such as the Narusawa Ice Cave, Fugaku Wind Cave, and the Lake Sai Bat Cave. Bat Cave? Bat Cave, which right. are three larger lava caves near Mount Fuji, the ice cave being frozen year-round. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. The forest has a historical reputation as a home to yurei, or ghost of the dead in Japanese mythology, but the woods have become internationally known as the Suicide Forest, one of the world's most prevalent suicide sites. By most reports, it's the second most prevalent suicide site in the world. First must be a bridge. First one is Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. I did not know that. I did not realize that that many people killed themselves on the Golden Gate Bridge. That really surprised me, actually. In 2003, 105 bodies were found in the forest, exceeding the previous record of 78 in 2002. In the year 2010, the police recorded more than 200 people having attempted suicide in the forest, of whom 54 completed the act. Suicides are said to increase during March, which is the end of the fiscal year in Japan. As of 2011, the most common means of suicide in the forest were hanging or drug overdose. In recent years, local officials have stopped publicizing the numbers in an attempt to decrease the woods' association with suicide, but it's believed to be well over 100 people a year. Many more have disappeared further into the dark woods, and others' remains have been carried away and consumed by animals. Are you going to talk about the sign? Yeah. Okay, good. Tents of the suicide victims, scattered personal belongings, moss-covered shoes, torn photographs, briefcases, notes, and ripped clothing have all been discovered strewn across the forest floor. While the entry points to the forest bear litter or items left by human visitors, the expanses of forest following them are so thick and isolated they remain virtually untouched. In fact, less than a mile into the forest, signs that hikers or any humans have been there start to disappear. So it's like creepy mm -hmm. you, you don't know how many people wandered off into those far parts of the woods and that they've never found and never have never found yeah the forest was in the news recently when in 2017 popular youtuber logan paul posted a controversial video from the woods that showed a suicide victim they came across in the forest i remember that uh, I, I, I didn't watch I, it, I didn't watch it either it. but i read people were pissed about well, yeah. it because he had the camera like on the person's face dead face Ugh. and that turned into a big thing and I, like researching this i did my best not to look up 
any photographs, but mm-hmm. like they're some they of them, show up. They, they'd be blurred out, but you could mm-hmm. see someone hanging in a tree. You could see someone dead in a sleeping bag. And it was, it's, it was just it's awful. Really sad. It was seriously awful. Suicide is a major social issue in Japan. The problem has been blamed partly on the social stigma attached to mental illness and partly on increased work-related stress. Another theory is that it's the result of Japanese culture's tolerant attitude towards suicide and the low number of psychiatrists available to help. Also, national health insurance does not cover the cost of visiting private clinics there. Hmm. Japanese spiritualists believe that the suicides committed in the forest have permeated the forest trees, generating paranormal activity and preventing many who enter from escaping the forest depths. Making escape even more difficult is the common experience of compasses being rendered useless by the rich deposit of magnetic iron in the area's volcanic soil. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Super easy to get turned around. It's very easy to get turned around and very easy to get lost. Have you seen the movie? No. It's it's pretty good. Is it a a movie movie or is it a documentary movie? No, it's a movie. Like a blockbuster type movie. All along the trails, the police have posted large anti-suicide signs saying things such as, quote, your life is a precious gift from your parents, or, quote, please consult the police before you decide to die. And monks have set up altars in the forest to fight the evil spirits. So that's, there's, you can see tons of, if you Google it, you'll see tons of the signs. I've seen telling, the signs, yeah, yeah. Telling people not to kill themselves. Turn around, go yep. back, yep. Yep. The bodies, which are recovered by the Suicide Prevention Patrol Squad, are kept inside a forest station and someone remains 24-7 with the dead bodies until they are picked up. It is believed by the Japanese that if they are left alone, the spirits of the owners of the bodies would scream the entire night. I think that's in the movie too. Is it? Mm-hmm. According to a 2010 article on the Mental Floss website, I love Mental Floss magazine, website, it's all awesome. According to a 2010 article on the Mental Floss website, quote, after the 1960 novel Kuroi Jukai, written by Seishao Matsumoto, was published in which a young lover commits suicide in the forest, people started taking their own lives there at a rate of 50 to 100 deaths a year. The site holds so many bodies that the Yakuza pays homeless people to sneak into the forest and rob the corpses. The authorities sweep for bodies only on an annual basis as the forest sits at the base of Mount Fuji and is too dense to patrol more frequently. That's crazy. Uh, you know, an article said this basically started after that 1960 novel, but bodies have been found in the woods since the 1950s or before. So, I mean, this has been happening there for a long time. So it is interesting to think that more people have killed themselves jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. But you don't hear about it. It's no. not called the Suicide Bridge. No, I know. This is called the Suicide Forest, so it gets a little bit more, I guess, coverage. Yeah, but it's just such a it's such a thing where the more pub, more publicity it gets the more right. somebody that is thinking about it is like maybe i'll oh, just I'm go do, do it that. there right yeah so it's just like a, a circle mm-hmm. damn internet yep the forest has always had morbid myths associated with it the oldest myths are probably unconfirmed stories of an ancient japanese custom called yabasut i know what you're also known as granny dumping yep Legend has it that in feudal times, when food was scarce and the situation was desperate, a family would take a dependent elderly relative, typically a woman, to a remote location in the wilderness and leave her there to die. And I mean, I've heard of that in the past. And that's I heard they would take them up on the mountain. I read that. Oh. Yeah. I, I usually read it as like a wilderness or someplace where they would quickly die because of the elements. Mm-hmm. The practice itself may be more fiction than fact, since many scholars dispute the idea that it was ever common in Japanese culture. 
They revere their elderly. Yeah. I mean, they yep. live with them. Yep. They don't do nursing homes there. But accounts of Yubasut have made their way into Japan's folklore and poetry, and from there have attached themselves to the suicide forest. At first, the ghosts the visitors claimed they saw in the suicide forest were presumed to be the vengeful spirits of the elderly who had been left to starvation and the mercy of the elements. But as more and more people began killing themselves there, the tales of the woods being haunted grew, as did the reports of paranormal encounters in the woods. Some of these can be found on the awesome Mysterious Universe website. In an April 17, 2019 article, which was just a couple weeks ago, called, quote, Paranormal Encounters at Japan's Haunted Suicide Forest, the article discusses a man named Kenji who went hiking in the forest with a friend. On their walk, they thought they saw another hiker who had left the trail for some reason and was weaving through the trees. Kenji says, quote, We thought this was another guy out there, but then we noticed there was no detail to this person, no color. It was as if he, I felt that it was a he, was just a shadow without any features. He also seemed to be following us, but he was way off the trail, just out of the trees, and there was not a sound of footsteps or crunching leaves. This was strange, but it got stranger when I watched this figure pass behind some trees. I expected him to come back out from behind the same trees, but instead he was suddenly about 10 meters ahead, as if he had just teleported. There's no way anyone could have covered that distance without me noticing it. After some time of this, my strange intruder stood there just watching us and then faded away right before our eyes. My friend and I were quick to head back. Yeah. Another hiker decided to go into the woods and said that it was a bright, sunny day until he got a little bit into his hike. He says, quote, I began to have these memories of people I did not know. These memories came to me unbidden and just popped into my head as clear as day. As I walked on, I started to get this deep sense of despondency, fleeting images of sadness in my head. It was unbearable. But what made it even worse is that I began to hear this whispering in my ear, this insistent voice telling me to end it all, and I started to feel like I wanted to die. I felt compelled to kill myself, and I might have if I had the means to do it. I sat down there right in the forest as this voice whispered to me, and it was the most crushing sense of loneliness and despair I had ever experienced. Then another hiker came through, and this wave of angst just lifted, and I was myself again. I can't quite explain it, but I feel like something visited me there in that forest and tried to take me. A female hiker also had an encounter. She says, quote, We heard what sounded like a woman weeping. It was very strange, but got more alarming when it seemed to actually get louder. We thought it might be someone out there in trouble, so we headed off the trail to see if we could find this person. It was odd, because as we made our way to where we thought the source of the crying was coming from, it seemed to move farther away, leading us deeper and deeper into the woods. Making it all scary was that the crying seemed to get more desperate in anguish the more we pursued it. We called out to whoever it was, but they did not respond. They just cried. We got pretty deep in the woods, this crying eluding us the whole time, until we finally seemed to be getting closer to the source of the crying. The crying got louder and louder, and we were almost there, and then it just stopped. Stopped altogether. We were bewildered, and then my friend sort of gasped and pointed, and there hanging from a tree was a noose holding the remains of what had been once a woman. We got out of there fast and contacted the authorities. It was another suicide. I've always wondered if what we heard was the ghost of that woman leading us to her forgotten corpse. There are a lot of counts of people hearing strange cries, screams, or weeping in the woods. Some people who string tape up in order to not get lost say that when backtracking, their tape is mysteriously cut or missing even though nobody else was near them on the trail. Many people say that the forest has a way of trying to lure you in farther and farther until you cannot get out. I just don't feel like going there. No. <laughs> so those are the 10 hmm. the ten forests. 
I think that's the creepiest out of all of them. That to is be the, that's with you. yeah. I mean, it's not just the paranormal stuff. It's right, just the knowing suicides, all knowing the, that the lives that have ended. Yeah, there. and if you like, like I said, I've seen pictures of it, but there's a lot of documentaries about it online. And you know, I was they they interviewed some locals that said if they saw like a a lone person go towards the woods, like enter the woods with a tent, holding a tent. They knew that that person hadn't made up their mind yet whether they mm. wanted to, but they said if they saw a lone person walking in there without With a nothing. tent, they knew that they were probably going to kill themselves. Unless they were dressed in hiking gear yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. Somebody's walking in in a business suit, they're probably not coming back. But the, the forest is like crazy dense. Like mm-hmm. it's dark all the time and, you know, Destination Truth did a really good episode there yeah, too where they that, caught... They, they caught some really good video footage. Yeah, they footage. did catch some really good video footage That's there. Right. So... Those, Man, I the, miss that show. I know, I do too. <laughs> Those last, the last two are the ones that do it for me. The one in Romania and the Suicide Woods. Like the Suicide yeah. Woods is, is disturbing for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons. But that is easily. The, I don't doubt for a second that it's haunted. No, I, mean, I don't either. That many I don't either. People. That many suicides. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like watch YouTube it. Watch some documentaries. The place is insane. Just it really Google is. Google photos of it. Google I mean, photos of it. You, can see how you know, dense you'll it is. see. You'll see like somebody's tent that you know killed themselves. They never came back to get the tent. And there's right. there's burned photographs. There's burned mementos in there. The person destroyed them before they killed themselves. So, Try not to Google photos of yeah, the people. Unfortunately, yeah. you're going to find them. But Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I was surprised to see as many of them as I did. Yeah. You know, so there you go. Those are 10 creepy woods. You guys have your homework. The ones close to those woods, go spend a night there. Yeah. yeah, don't don't go to the suicide ones. No, that's that's yeah, that's that's one that I stay out of. And I'm gonna end this with a quote from Charles DeLint, the author. Quote: All forests have their own personality. I don't just mean the obvious differences, like how an English woodland is different from a Central American rainforest, or comparing tracts of West Coast redwoods to the saguaro forests of the American Southwest. They each have their own gossip, their own sound, their own rustling whispers and smells. A voice speaks up to you when you enter these acres that can't be mistaken for one you'd hear anyplace else. A voice true to those particular trees. Mm-hmm. So I just like that. I thought that was really cool. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. They are. I thought about using that one because I know you love that. <laughs> I do. But, you know, I love the woods. But after, after researching this for the last week, it's like, oh, boy. Just- the buddy system yeah you know yeah i'm kind of glad i'm not out walking on my trail yet in the woods because i think this might have legitimately creeped me out this is perfect walking in the woods weather it is perfect it's kind of gloomy dark and gloomy and and misty so (laughs) wisconsin has beautiful forests yeah too yeah I, i looked for haunted forests in wisconsin but i couldn't find any and it was really frustrating because when you type in haunted forest you get all like the halloween jump you know where people jump out at you oh, right you know so i couldn't like find house i couldn't find any good haunted forests in wisconsin mm. i'm sure there are some i'm sure every every woods probably has some kind of legend attached to it yeah you know so there you well, go guys up north the wind is it windigo yeah that's windigo. Yeah. supposed to be in the woods up yep. north yeah up north the woods up north are crazy i always think of my friend luke uh matthias his story about we talked about it on the podcast where they were driving through the on a road between the woods at like two or three in the morning or whatever when the guy with the wheelbarrow came walking out of the woods <laughs> that's right you know that's just oh like God. yeah people are scarier than yeah the paranormal that's for sure so just in time for camping season you guys there you go there's some haunted forests for you <laughs>
So, time for a question. Or should I do a pickle joke first? Let's do a pickle joke and then a question. Yeah, let's lighten up the mood with this fantastic pickle joke. Yeah, sorry to end that one on such a downer, but when you <laughs> go with creepy haunted woods, you got to go with the suicide forest. So, we're gonna, we got this book of pickle jokes from Eric, and we have decided we're going to read one every episode because pickles has become Our quite theme. the theme <laughs> uh, for taste tests. Um, so, here, are you ready, Kurt? I am ready. It's pretty good. It, they're all terrible. I'm just saying. What's long, green, has holes, and you blow in it? What? A piccolo. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Um, That's actually kind of funny. Are we doing a question? We are going to do a question. Okay. Stay. A listener. We're running out of room. We got a postcard from Sophie and Adam and Corey from Hawaii. Yeah, Adam, Sophie, and Corey. Yep. And uh, it's up there on the wall by our bugs that nobody's ever going to eat in our pickle book. We're running out of room to post. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy another magnetic board for us. Okay. I think this is one of my favorite parts of our show. The questions. The taste test and the questions, because you just never know what you're going to get. It's a mixed bag. You ready? I am ready. We're going to do this. First one is actually kind of a suggestion. Okay. What do you guys think about a stranger's movie slash book recommendation type thing? I just think it would be cool to get a bunch of us reading or watching the same kind of weird stuff. I like that idea. I'm down. I'm down with that too. Yeah. Chris and I will talk about that. Okay. That would be cool. We'll talk about that on the way home. Yes. Next one. Great suggestion. I don't know who suggested that, but I like it. Next one. What is the Mandela effect version of you as compared to the one in this timeline? I'm confused by that question. I am too. What is the Mandela effect version of you as opposed to what? The one in this timeline. <laughs> I think I don't think I would know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would I'm thinking like another version of me. Oh. Like what would another version of me be? Mm. An athlete? No. <laughs> no. Well, it would be something totally different, right? I, th- I th- or is this I, I like think, a butterfly effect thing? I think that uh, if, you know, we're talking like ideal version, I think it would be me as a English professor at some small college, married, two kids, instead of being the mess that I am now, <laughs> hmm. I, th- I think that would be the alternate version of me. So in your mind, it's what you would have... What I would have been had I made different, different choices. choices. Hmm. I mean, that's my ideal me is... I love college campuses. I want to be, I wanted to be an English professor because I love literature. I love school. I love teaching, you know? So I always, when I was younger, I always said I wanted three daughters. I wanted Anne, Emily, and Charlotte all named after the Bronte sisters wow. because I love the Bronte sisters. Yeah. Huh. But I think, I, I think it would be nice. Like, like my brother, like Corey has a boy and a girl. And I think that would have been, you know, I have, I have so many, so many people recently have told me that I would have been a good dad. Mm-hmm. And part of me, wonders always if I would have been I don't know a lot of people have told me that too but I said just because I would have been a good mom doesn't mean I should be a mom. <laughs> that's a very good way to look at it that's a very good way to look at it you know it's it's what would what would the alternate Krista be I don't know I think that's a really hard question because I try not to look at my life and say oh I should have oh would have I, I do that every day I kind of just look at it like I am where I am and what I do next is up to me like I don't know wow I don't, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to be happy with where I am and not wish for something else. And if I am wishing for something else, then I need to make it happen myself. It's weird because I can't think of what another you would be like. 
I think you're good just this way Aww. you are. I really do. I think I think you're good. I mean, I don't know if would I don't we, I don't feel would we like be friends if you had a wife and two kids and you were a professor at a college. I think see we that's those I think are the hard we, questions. But that that comes into the whole fate thing, like. You know, I I do believe that the people that I am friends with in life, I was supposed to meet yeah. when I was supposed to meet them. Yeah. And I think that even in that other you would still reality, have we people. would have still met, you know. Maybe. I don't know. This is turning deeper than I kind yeah. of thought it would. But that that's my other me. If my that's other what Mandela the question yeah. was intended to yeah. ask, which is odd because I wouldn't know my Mandela effect version. Wait, I, said, I think you're... I think you're good the way you are i think you <laughs> you didn't make choices that you maybe shouldn't have i mean do i wish i would have finished college sure i had three years in i probably could have just put that last year in yeah. but i don't know i feel like but every, what, i don't know if that would have made a difference really. i don't know i don't know i try not to think about that stuff because i can't change it now yeah. like i guess i could go back to school if i wanted but see and i guess that's a difference between you and i because i constantly think about things that i should have done differently things i should have said differently I don't know. You're such a nice person. I can't imagine well, you needing you. to say something differently to someone. Well, I don't know. Hmm. Thank you, though. <laughs> we'll <laughs> do one more. Way more introspective yeah. than I think they intended. Yeah. We always, we always, they always end up like, like a counseling session. <laughs> there is a couch right behind you. Yeah, Greg. there's like a lay down. So we'll do one more. Yeah. We've kind of, we've kind of touched on this. The next question is, what is your favorite book, movie, song, why? Oh, okay. I can go first. Yeah. Favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Because it's amazing. I've probably read it six or seven times now. I just think it's such a, I mean, a really sad and beautiful story all at the same time. I think, I don't know, little uh, Scout is just so innocent and and uh, unfiltered and... It's a very good book. Yeah, and her I mean, and Atticus is the, amazing. Yep. I just feel like he's such a a hero. I don't know. Don't read the other book. It wasn't good? <laughs> Ghost of a Watchman? Yeah. No, he's kind of racist in that book. Oh, that kills it. <laughs> it was very disappointing. <laughs> Ouch. And it was written before To Kill a Mockingbird, even mm. though To Kill a Mockingbird takes place first. Yeah. Anyway, favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. Did I know that? I don't know, but it's always been, I love that I don't, movie. I don't know if I knew that. It is like the epitome of cool. I don't know. I just love, I love the soundtrack. I love the actors and actresses in it. I love Quentin Tarantino. I'm a huge fan of his. He's really hit or miss with me. Like I didn't care for, I hated uh, don't Death say Proof. Right. I hated Death Proof. I love Death Proof. I hated Death Proof. I didn't like The Hateful Eight. No, that was too violent. Uh, but I loved Pulp Fiction and and Kill it's Bill? not my favorite movie, but one of my favorite movies is Kill Bill. What I about Reservoir Kill Dogs? Bill. Huh? Reservoir Dogs? It was okay. Okay. Yeah. Jackie Brown? I never saw Jackie Brown. Okay. Well, but Pulp Fiction has, I love Pulp Fiction. Like my favorite scene. So many good one-liners in I know. that movie. And my, I, my favorite, so cleverly. Whenever it's on, I watch because my favorite segment in the movie, and this sounds... This isn't meant to sound dirty or weird or anything, but is when bring out Bru- the gimp is when Bruce Willis <laughs> and and uh, Ving Rhames yeah. are in there, and yeah. he and Ving Rhames is getting they done. actually help each other, and out. he's getting done what he's getting done, and Bruce Willis gets up, and he you could can leave. see you could see he opens the door, and you can see that moment where he's like, "I'm not gonna, I can't leave, I can't him, leave him." And for some Even reason, he came here to kill me, and I their can't whole leave him their here. whole discussion when he goes down there and saves him, and he's like, "What now?" and 
we're square, man. Yeah, so yeah. that that I love that scene. I don't know mm-hmm. why I love that scene so much, but that's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. So mm. I totally get the Pulp Fiction thing. Jack Rabbit Slim's twist contest. I yes. love that scene. Yep. I don't yep. know. There's just it's. I, I just love it. I love yep. everything about it. It's so cool. It yep. is to it's, me. It's, it's the quintessential Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it really yeah. is. But I almost feel like he peaked with that, and everything else since then has been going downhill. Uh, besides Kill Bill, I love the Kill Bill movies. Kill Bill movies are amazing. Yeah. And favorite song? We just like, we just like talked song, about song. I have to pick one song. Pick one song. Out of all the songs in the universe. Yep. That's really hard because I, I love music. <laughs> I don't know if I could either. <laughs> one song. I might have to think on that. Okay. You can, you go while I think about that. My favorite book, I'm always torn between Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte, because I love that book. But if I had a gun in my head and was forced to pick one book, it would be The Stand by Stephen King. Like that, I read, I started reading Stephen King way. Terrible, terrible, terrible movie. Way when I was, it was good. The movie, the TV movie. Oh, I didn't like it. Oh, I thought it was really well done. I think the TV movies are terrible. Yeah. The Langoliers oh, that was, was terrible. But I started reading Stephen King when I was way too young to start reading Stephen King. I think I talked about this in a podcast. My my grandmother's friend, when I was young, knew I was into reading, so she got me his his book of short stories called Night Shift. And reading The Stand, I was very young when I read The Stand, but that was the first book that I felt showed me what worlds a book could open. I mean, this this world was of the stand was like really vivid to me and I was blown away at what reading could be. So I pick that as my favorite book. And then after that was the stick was it, which was another book where you totally got pulled into it and into this whole movie. I did like, yeah, some of it's super cheesy, Yeah, but man, Pennywise is like the scariest in that movie. Not the new movie. So you said that you said that wasn't really good in the new movie. The the everyone else is amazing in the new movie. I love the kids that they cast. But, not Pennywise. but Pennywise is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but for so I'm gonna pick uh, the Stand okay. by Stephen King is my favorite book. My favorite movie we talked about is Almost Famous. I love Almost Famous. I thought you were gonna say Dazed and Confused. I, no, I, I love Almost Famous. I'm too. torn between Almost Famous and Dazed and Confused. Every but, time Tiny Dancer almost, comes on, yeah, you gotta crank Almost it Famous and sing is along. a movie with a story with a start and an end. Where Dazed and Confused is more just never just a, just a glimpse into the lives of these high school yeah, students. Just like a couple days, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm gonna pick. I love Almost Famous too. Yeah. There Actually, there's a song in that movie that I could. So Simon and Garfunkel, something I grew up on, and the song "America" yeah. is the song that I sing with my uncle. I love and the song. It gives America. me the chills every time I yep. hear it. Yep. And "Homeward Bound" is another really good yep. one. But America is a. I great mean, if I song. had to pick, I don't know. There's, I literally could tell you hundreds of songs, but that is a song that always gives me the chills because yeah. it's an amazing song and the words. The part where they say the moon rolls over an open yes. field. That's like yeah. my favorite line. Yep. But yeah, mine too. Has, that's weird that I never knew. Such yeah. I didn't know that you Nostalgia for me. Yes. And it doesn't have that's nostalgia. F- it doesn't have nostalgia for me because I heard the song first when I was older. Yeah. But there's still something about the song that. The chord progression. It's yeah. very melancholy. Yeah. It's and a great It has song. a feeling of longing yes. to it. Yep. And that scene in that movie where she plays the record for her mom, yeah. like, this is why yeah. I'm leaving. But I feel like there's everything in that movie. There's, like, a love story. There's, like, a bromance with the the band. Yeah. You know, I just think there's, I think 
I would as much as I coming love of Dazed age, and, as much, coming yes, of age. As much as I love Dazed and Confused, I think that almost famous. This is like the more sophisticated the yes. version of Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Yes. So movie, I'm gonna go almost famous and song. I hate picking just one song. It's too hard. But I would once again go with Venture Highway by mm. America because okay. I love the way that song makes me feel. Yeah, it's, it's very a, it's, it's about very a feeling. It's for very sure. California and very relaxing and happy. It's pleasant. So yeah. All right. Thank you for the questions. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. For me, fame. Yeah, favorite book, favorite movie, easy. Favorite song. Yeah, my, I need my, like twenty five thousand choices. I have a current favorite <laughs> song all the time that changes, but if sure. I had to pick one, it would be Venture Highway by okay. America. Seventies. That's, that's ironic that mine is America. It is. <laughs> it is. But that's such a good song. Now yeah, I want to listen to that when really I get is. home. So there you go. Are we going to give our details? We are going to give our details. We are the Strange Sessions. Can <laughs> you guys hear that? In. Can you yeah, guys hear the kids, kids in the hallway? Screaming in the hallway. That is going to be... I wonder like, if people listen to this and are like, is that an EVP? Is that... <laughs> because everybody... We've talked so much about being in an abandoned school and yeah. nobody being here. It and sure now, as hell is not abandoned right now. It's not abandoned. <laughs> it's not abandoned. It's just not used for school anymore yeah. it's like a community center so there was never like this spaces. with people coming and being so loud at no. night so i'm so glad we're going to be doing this in the mornings and as the weather warms up yeah people won't become they just use it for practice yeah. space for sports yeah to be honest with you it drives me nuts it does it's annoying it's very distracting but anyway Kurt and i don't have kids <laughs> no that is one of the reasons Clearly. we don't have kids <laughs> yes. uh our email is the strange sessions at gmail.com we are on twitter at at Strange Session without the S. <laughs> Still got to do something about that. Maybe for our 50th episode, we'll finally do something about that. We are on Instagram as the Strange Sessions, and Krista's doing an amazing job with that. You can send us snail mail at the Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, M A N I T O W O C, Wisconsin, 54221 0434. And we have our phone number, the Strange Sessions Hotline, at 920-443-9602. Sweet. I'm so excited for people to leave us voicemails. I am, too. So so once we get to that, fif- that 50th episode, we're going to hit you guys up. Yep. So think of something you want to say. Or tell us a story. Or... Just say hey. Just say hey. Anything goes. So another episode is in the books. And from Krista and I, from the noisy old school (laughs) media studio, until next time, stay Stay strange. strange. This has been an old school media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.